Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you today with Cody and Eric. We are doing a little running back disagreements episode. Boys, how are we doing on this late Tuesday evening? We're doing pretty good. Pretty good. Kind of tired, so yeah. trying to keep with your numbers fast when you're going at me today. <laughs> We just recorded our NFL News and Notes update, so we are probably going to be a little quicker on the jump here than we are normally. Uh, let's just get right into the hot takes, boys. Uh, Cody, go ahead and go first. I'm actually going to send it over to Eric. I'm going to put him on the spot with his. Oh, Seriously, okay, like dude? That. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to rip this straight off of an article I read a couple days ago, the NFL should implement a separate salary cap exclusively for quarterbacks because every cap jump that the NFL has had in the past few years has basically been dedicated exclusively to quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. I'd like to see how that would work. I I think it's a decent idea. I don't know how it would work either is the issue. (laughs) There's a lot of accounting and math on the back end that have to account into that hot take, but I actually like it. I think that that could be a good point. I think they have a much better opportunity at being able to form something like that than running backs do, who have been kind of trying to get paid via yeah. some kind of way that way, uh, which then frees up. I mean, right? What did what's Herbert's per year? Is he over fifty or something like yeah, that? So frees up that much money on an annual basis is yeah. a lot of money for other positions. So that's that's kind of a cool thought. A lot of accounting and numbers in the background that other people can deal with. Yeah. Cody, you want me to go? Yep, let's hear yours. All right, you're not going to love this one, but uh, I think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase uh, are in the wrong order on most Dynasty boards. I think Jamar Chase should be the number one overall player in Dynasty and in redraft, in my opinion. I think I have him number one over Jefferson for this year and long-term. Obviously long-term because of his connection with Joe Burrow, but this year... Uh, again, I think he's probably just a little bit of a better player, and he's got a better quarterback uh, with most likely a better offense as well. Yeah, I don't necessarily hate it because I think uh, I think you're right on a long-term basis. Like we, There's a really good chance Kirk Cousins is not the Vikings quarterback unless there's a big Very jump good. in offseason uh, success this year. So I'd imagine they're not going to want to pay him another multi-year fully guaranteed, guaranteed contract like he's been getting especially if the right quarterbacks are going. So, yeah, I, I I like your hot take there. I think if you've are if you got the 101, the only reason I don't love going Chase uh, over Jefferson is I would love to find ways to stack Chase and Burrow because I think if you can find a way to do that, that is just such a good team. Um, but in some drafts, well, I guess more in best ball, I guess in redraft there's a good chance you can get him in the fourth depending on how your, how your league's draft quarterbacks. But – He's on that Lamar Jackson level where if there's someone who had really good success with them in your league last year, they may just take them right back up and with an earlier pick. So that's my only disagreement is I can't stack him with Burrow as easy as I'd like to, but yeah, Chase is awesome. Yeah, definitely easier and to stack Jefferson with Cousins. So I ran some numbers. I'm sorry, I ran some numbers on the Bengals wide receivers, both with both of them and without each other. Jamar Chase without T. Higgins is so freaking good. It's unbelievable. Like If T. Higgins is either traded or is not there in two years, Jamar Chase is going to be by far the number one wide receiver you'd want on your team. So I I like it, especially from a long-term basis, because I don't think they'll find a way to pay both wide receivers personally. 
Yeah, I don't think they should I either. I think they can still have an effective offense with Jamar Chase as the alpha and then, you know, filling out the rest, maybe add some more pieces to the defense. But we'll see what they end up doing there. Um, all, right. all right, guys. We are Hold going on. to – Cody has to – Cody, go ahead. You can't just still throw me Oh, sorry. Oh, man. I oh, – excuse me. So this is – I mean, I would say this is probably a little bit of a hot take, but I think – the game day experience you have with a group of guys either at a bar or at someone's house or something like that where you have multiple TVs, you have red zone going, mostly like if it's with fantasy, like guys you're in a league with so you're talking shit, just trounces going to a game live as an overall experience. I enjoy the games going live. I love going at least once a year because especially if I can find a way to do it on a Thursday or a Monday where it's just better and I don't have to miss all the other games but I just I love consuming as much football as possible it seems like on Sundays and sometimes if I go to a Chiefs game it just seems like I get home and I'm like I have a whole nother like day's worth of football I have to catch back up on to so hot take I would much rather not much rather but I would rather stay home watch the game in that kind of a setting than go to the stadium yeah I, I wouldn't I even consider this hot take that's yeah that is Fair that enough. is far far superior especially on an nfl sunday like you said monday thursday yeah. maybe uh or sunday football night, for sure like other other sports i could argue against but football there's nothing like like you said having red zone on with all your guys shooting the shit about your fantasy teams yeah i would never buy season tickets to a team even if i was living yeah. in denver and i could go to my favorite team every weekend just no no thank you i'd much, I much rather be at a bar like you said watching all the games all right boys <laughs> Let's jump in to these running backs here. Oh. Hard stop. I actually kind of <laughs> like that. That drop is like meant to be cutting someone off, so I'm legitimately okay with that. I was going to say, I'm uh, going to so, try and use those a little more this year, so you're going to have to get, get used <laughs> to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So we got we have five players here today. We've been we've had four the past two uh, because of the smaller position groups of quarterback and tight end. But today we have five, so we will have a winner. Uh, me and Cody have split both the quarterback and the tight end two two. Uh, again, uh, for those of you who may not have seen the last two episodes, we are going to argue five different running backs. We have rankings disagreements on. Uh, obviously, one of us is higher, one of us is lower on that player, Eric. Uh, being the impartial observer will rule on whose argument is better. And then, uh, again, we'll tally them up at the end and see who wins. Pretty simple concept. I think everyone's on board. Cody, you have three of your guys that you're arguing in the affirmative. I have two guys I'm arguing in the affirmative. I want to just throw that out there in case I lose. Uh, you know, that is already just a point in Cody's favor. It's easier to argue. I, I anyway, want to actually uh, let everyone know that Nick actually said that three out of these five he's extremely confident on. So, Oh, yes. Yes, I absolutely am. Yeah. I, I will still take full credit for winning if I do, so don't worry about that. Of but, course. Cody, we uh, are going to start out with Ramondre Stevenson. He is your guy. Uh, you have him ranked uh, number nine. I have him at 13. Not a huge difference. The rest of these guys will actually have fairly large differences on uh but being ranked that highly 
that difference kind of makes, uh, you know, is a little more stark. And I think 13, personally, I will get this out of the way early. 13, I, I would, I could see moving Stevenson down pretty easily if the Patriots do make a move at running back. So I, I think 13 is probably my high point for Stevenson. Uh, but anyway, Cody, go ahead with your argument on why we should draft Ramondre Stevenson ninth overall at the running back position. Yeah, absolutely. So right now the ninth overall running back's going just around the three two two three turn, maybe just into the mid-early third round. So that's where we're looking at with Ramondre. Um, I have him right around his NFC ADP, so that makes me feel pretty good about where I have him at just based on the drafts that have happened and how, the way that they weight their drafts. Um, for me, it's also pretty clear the Patriots are going to add another running back. If it's Zeke, Fournette, or Daryl Henderson, it, he may go down a couple of other guys. Like I'm, I'm high on like Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon may jump him just because of opportunity around the red zone that Ramondre may not have anymore. But um, as long as it's not like a guy like Dalvin Cook who can actually come in and challenge him for 50% of the workload, I think he's going to be – definitely the third down back and he's going to he's going to have the majority of carries the only concern you'd have is around the goal line with Zeke or Fournette because they're basically built like LeGarrette Blunt at this point in their careers um so but more on Fournette in particular he kind of broke out last year uh going back to two years ago he was kind of Damian Harris's not backup he kind of started breaking a little bit more towards 50 50 going into last year it was very tough to rate these guys because they were both kind of looking about 50 50 Harris injury, uh, Ramondre took over. I think he was very good once he took over completely. In the entirety of last season, he finished as an RB2 or better in 71% of games. So that means 71% of the time he gave you a week that's going to help you win your game. And an RB1 or better 35% of the time, which isn't a lot, but where he's going, you don't necessarily have to draft him as your RB1. Or if you do, he you have a... Jefferson or Chase combined with uh, Jalen Waddle or T. Higgins, maybe something like that. Like you have two elite level wide receivers if he's your RB one. Uh, so I think at that point, you know, you're kind of building your team very well. Um, and again, I think he is a little bit like for me when I'm looking at him in drafts. Uh, I think some of the other guys around him, I may feel a little bit more comfortable with as a true RB one on your team. But I think if you're drafting, you know, if you get a CMC early. You get a Jalen Waddle falls to you in the second, and then you can add Ramondre as your RB2. I just think that you're going to have an advantage at running back just about every week. So I would happily take him at the ninth. Like I said, I love him a little bit more as my second running back just because I think his upside is going to be a little bit capped. But they still haven't signed anyone yet. Even if they do, I still think he's the clear number one. Uh, but if you get him as your RB2, I think that's a league-winning running back. I like your points. Uh, I will say off the jump that this is probably my least favorite guy to argue against of your three just because I like him as a player. I think he's uh, pretty good. He's a, he's a great runner. Uh, not as great of a pass catcher efficiency-wise. I'll get to that again in a minute. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, not only to slightly torpedo your argument, but also just as a disclaimer uh, as we move on here, is that I think a lot of these ADPs are going to rise as far as the running backs are concerned in the overall ranks. Uh, these, 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 these ADPs are based off NFC ADP. Like we said, these, these are a lot of best ball leagues. Best ball leagues are about hitting the home run. Uh, so wide receivers get pushed up, running backs get pushed down, especially guys like Ramondre Stevenson that are a little safer, like Cody said. So I would expect him to be going closer to the end of the second round in most home league drafts, maybe even the mid second round in drafts again, especially like non PBR drafts that running backs get 
again, pushed up in those type of drafts. We'll see where he ends up uh, in a couple weeks. I think we'll have a better idea of the ADP in mid-August. Uh, but again, I think I just wanted to throw that out there for all these guys. I think they will they will rise in their overall ADP a little bit from what we have right now. But anyway, the reason I am a little softer on Stevenson than you are, uh, he was the RB11 in points per game last season in half PPR. Uh, Low-end RB1, pretty solid year. I think that's probably about his ceiling, though. I think a lot of things went right for him. Uh, he had 88 targets and 69 receptions last year. No one saw that coming from him. Did not profile as a pass catcher coming out of college. Uh, out of necessity, I think, more so than necessarily what their plan going into the year was. Uh, only had 4.8 yards per target. That's not a great number for a running back. Uh, this is, again, okay, so I've got some numbers coming at you, Eric. I need you to listen. Shout out to FFT, Fantasy Football Today, great podcast. Heath Cummings uh, is the guy that gave me these stats. So he is the eighth running back since 2000 to see 80-plus targets in a season and averaged less than five yards per target. Tiki Barber in 03 saw 19 fewer targets the next year. Michael Pittman in 03 saw 56 fewer targets the next year. Reggie Bush in 07 saw 25 fewer targets the next year. Darren Sproles in 15, 12 fewer targets. Carlos Hyde in 2017, 72 fewer targets. Tariq Cohen in 2019 got hurt before the year started. And most recently, Najee Harris in 2021 saw 41 fewer targets the next season. Uh, we've seen a lot of steam, like Cody said, about other backs being brought in, about third down backs being used. I think it's probably partially because of these efficiency issues, and uh, none of these options are good if uh, if that does happen. Leonard Fournette, like you said, pass-catching guy, pass-protecting guy. I think he would take away from his third down role. Ezekiel Elliott, goal line specialist, and then Dalvin Cook would just completely crater his value. So uh, hopefully for... Ramondre Stevenson owners, none of those three things happens, but I think it's very likely one of them does, and that's why I'd be a little bit colder on Stevenson than you would be. All right. Got a little bit of a rebuttal. Not too much. I think your argument is valid for why you'd be concerned about him. Um, one, I know because just because you brought up the ADP, Eric, I just want to remind you last night you drafted him in the fourth spot of the third round. So. He, he is still falling that far in a 12-man half PPR league, so there is still potential for him to get there, like I said, where you get like a, a Chase and a Jalen Waddle like you did, and then you add Ramondre. Yeah, as your I like that one. team a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also one thing I do want to point out, like all the other you know running backs that Nick did mention, uh, none of them had Bill Belichick as a you know head coach. I think that he is very well known as being able to find what players can do best and using them to their best ability. And maybe he unlocked something in Ramondre that other coaches did not fully unlock last year. Um, you don't just get 88 targets and was it 69 receptions, right? 69 receptions. So, I mean, yeah, he has he has talent. He's a pass-catching running back. Not a pass-catching running back, but he has talent catching the ball out of the backfield. You would like him to be able to get more than that. Honestly, I don't think he's the most fluid-looking runner. He reminds me a little bit of Maurice Jones-Drew. He kind of like – kind of like a bowling ball style runner. He doesn't really make people miss as much. He kind of goes through. So that may be a little bit of the issue with him catching the ball out of the backfield. He doesn't have that quick twitch, make people miss ability. Um, but like I said, I think for where you're getting him in a draft, where you're, you know, when you look at the other running backs you're drafting around him right now, he just provides a safe, you know, running back floor that you really can't beat. Um, you know, like I said, the upside may ultimately be capped, but if you draft him as your running back nine and he finishes as the running back nine, you're getting equal value. You're not upset with that by the end of the season. He probably provided for you and you're overall happy with the way that pick turned out. 
uh, real quick on the Bill Belichick point, I think you'd be equally concerned by the fact that basically all of his teams have used running back by committee throughout the years, especially his better ones. And uh, for whatever he unlocked with Ramondre Stevenson, he was not good at pass catching. 88 targets and 4.8 yards per target is a below average number. And I think uh, a good coach like Bill Belichick would see that. Well, yes, uh, absolutely. But I think he would cease to see that and try to improve upon it. So I I think based on the numbers that I gave with all of the previous running backs, you would expect those targets to come down. Therefore, his floor will be a little bit lower uh, week to week, and he's going to need to either increase the touchdown total or increase the efficiency on the targets that he does get to uh, make up the difference. How many touchdowns did he have last year? Somebody have that in front of him? Six. Five rushing, one receiving. Uh, there is room for that. He did have issues. At, yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Sorry, Eric, do you have any other questions? My apologies. No, that was, that was it. Okay. Go ahead. Do you um, want another drum roll, or do you just want to do your answer? Let's give you another I, drum roll. That's right. Yeah, give it to me again. I am going to side slightly with Nick here, and it's because I do kind of believe what he said about those receptions going down, just the guys they've brought in and talked to this offseason, it seems like they're trying to take a little bit of that pass-catching role away from him. I could still see him getting maybe 65, 70 targets, but I don't think he's going to be up in the 80, 90s this year. And I could see him getting more touchdowns, but I could also see more of their touchdowns getting yanked. I don't think they're going to be a particularly good offense. So I would take guys like... Nick has them listed here that are in between 9 and 13 for him. I would take probably Josh Jacobs, assuming the JT contract. I would, too. I have Jacobs higher than him, so okay, I fair 100% yeah. would, too. Yeah. But there, I think there are some other options that I would go with. And, um, yeah, so I am going to give the edge to Nick here. That is fair. I also right. forgot to make my point that they uh, they actually have an offensive coordinator this year also, which gives me at least a little oh, yeah, bit more do. hope that uh, – there's at least going to be some kind of comp competence on that. No, no double jeopardy here in the uh, the fantasy court. So unfortunately, all rulings are final. Um, <laughs> yep. All right. So, <laughs> all right. We're going Let's to go ahead and move on to Jameer Gibbs, my boy. I uh, this one actually we have a very large disparity on. So I have him at eleven. Uh, Cody has him at twenty three. Big time Jameer Gibbs hater here. ADP has him at twelve overall right now. Early fourth round again. Probably going to creep up into more of the uh, late third, uh, mid third, potentially when uh, draft season really kicks off, especially redraft season. But anyway, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Alrighty, so uh, this is actually kind of uh, serendipitous that I did some research for Ken Walker. I did. Uh, I went back and looked at basically every first and second round running back. I was trying to make myself feel better about his prospects this year. Uh, but in doing so, I have inadvertently done some research for Jameer Gibbs here. Um, so we have had 13 first round running backs in the past 10 years uh, since 2012. And... 10 of those 13 guys have beaten their ADP, boys and girls. And uh, let me just, I'm actually going to run through the guys that did not beat their ADP. I think it kind of helps make my point. Uh, Melvin Gordon was the one true bust. This is 2015. He was 15th overall. He was ADP RB20. He finished at RB52. He scored zero touchdowns in 12 games. The team was 4-12. and 12. He just had a really bad year. Uh, that was the one that you can just point out and say he was just a complete bust. And he was being drafted with some value, maybe not as high as Jameer Gibbs, but 
Uh, he totally busted out, and I will admit that one. Another one that did not beat his ADP, Christian McCaffrey. Drafted as overall RB14, finished as RB15. Uh, so when he didn't beat his ADP, still fa- finished with a very solid year. I think Christian McCaffrey's year is actually a great comp for Jameer Gibbs. I, I believe this is what you're looking at as a floor. He had only 117 carries over a full 16-game season, but he also had 113 targets and 80 catches. That is very similar to what we'd expect from Jameer Gibbs, just profile-wise, maybe not 113 targets, but probably more than 117 carries. I think it probably evens out. Um, And I I do want to get to this, actually. I'm going to get to this point after the Christian McCaffrey point. It's DeAndre Swift's role that he's replacing. DeAndre Swift, even with all of the injury concerns he had last year and all of the games where he was basically playing, you know, 30, 40% of the snaps because he was battling injuries, he was on pace for 120 carries and 85 targets in 2022. I think Jameer Gibbs steps into that role plus some because, again, he is going to be a young number 12 overall pick that is stepping into a good offense that they, again, paid a very large price to acquire. Seven of 14 games DeAndre Swift played. He had 10 or fewer opportunities. I don't expect many games Jameer Gibbs uh, starts and finishes him to have fewer than 10 opportunities. So I think he could easily you know, put 30, 40 carries on that 120 total and maybe even 15 to 20 targets. And then you're talking about 250 opportunities and 100 targets. That That is going to get him into the top 15 easily with upside for more. And the last guy that did not beat ADP, that is your boy, Cody, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. He was the oh, yeah. 32nd season, overall pick. Uh, he was ADP RB8. He finished RB22. Actually finished a little bit higher in a per-game basis. If, uh, if you remember, he got hurt after 12 games that year. Uh, again, just has not really panned out as the, the level of player we thought he was, but this is the 32nd overall pick in the draft, not the 12th overall pick in the draft. Any guy drafted higher than 15th, we can go down the list here. Uh, let me see. So Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. Again, like I said, he, he missed ADP by one. Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Trent Richardson, all of them beat their ADPs, and all of them had significant ADPs uh, in the top 20. Every one of them beat them. Uh, Jameer Gibbs going 12 right now. Love the talent. Love the situation. I think uh, he is worth the pick at uh, RB11. Can you, can you go through those lists of names of running backs that did beat their ADP? I know. Sure. Zeke, okay, so 2021, 2021 Najee Harris, our, uh, his ADP was RB10. He finished RB4. Josh Jacobs, RB16 ADP, finished RB14, 2019. Sony Michel, was RB35 in ADP, finished RB28. Rashad Penny, uh, he he was the last, Rashad Penny was the last one that did not meet his ADP, but he was a backup all season. Chris Carson started over him. But he was also ADP RB33, so he was a a very late round pick, finished RB65. Saquon, uh, ADP RB5, finished RB2. Leonard Fournette, ADP RB11, finished RB8. Ezekiel Elliott, ADP RB3, finished RB2. Todd Gurley, RB26, finished RB5. Uh, Doug Martin, shout out, a muscle hamster. ADP RB14, finished RB2. Trent Richardson, ADP RB15, finished RB9. Okay. That's the list. Yep. So I do appreciate you bringing that list because I was going to look that up, and then I decided against it and went a different route with my argument. But with that list, that – Basically, here's going to be my my argument for Jameer Gibbs. And it's kind of just the last argument we had about Ramondre Stevenson. And 
he doesn't even have a second running back on his team yet. We're talking about Zeke, Fournette, or Daryl Henderson potentially signing there to affect his value. Whereas Jameer Gibbs already has a proven NFL running back and a fantasy running back who finishes the RB as an RB two or better every year of his career in David Montgomery. So we are at RB nine. We're saying that's too early because he could have someone take goal line opportunities or another role from him. But Jameer Gibbs at twelve, who already has a guy who's going to do that from week one, is a one hundred percent acceptable pick. Uh, all these guys you listed that did, Harris, Zeke, Gurley, Jacobs, Michelle, Fournette, and Saquon were all, uh, I don't think Michelle, but all basically drafted, I think, within the top five or six picks also. So they were their clear number one on their team, which I think Gibbs may be by some point in the season, but it won't be. Harris was 24th. Who? Same with Jacobs. Jacobs and Harris were 24th overall, but okay. uh, the other guys were top Zeke, five. Zeke, Gurley, Saquon, Fournette, yeah. And on top of it, they just didn't have an RB2 that was going to potentially take away nearly as much opportunity as uh, David Montgomery just clearly will. Um, In a season where you'd probably look back, Eric, I don't mean to bring this up in my argument, but in a season where you traded him for Saquon, you probably look back on it as a disappointment, finished as an RB2, where he was getting drafted was basically an RB2. So he's he's always lived up to the value in fantasy that he gets drafted by. I think he's going to surpass it this year because they already dug out a role last year where they had a goal line guy that David Montgomery can slide into. I think they're going to love Jameer Gibbs a lot more than DeAndre Swift. Don't get me wrong. But if we're drafting a guy at number 12 that I don't have confidence is going to guarantee to get more than 50% of the snaps, then I think that's just a very, very risky pick. I mean, that's a third round pick where we're talking about Ramondre may only get 70%, but we're looking at Gibbs who may, may be leaning closer to 50. So, that is my, my concern with Gibbs. That's why I have him ranked below guys who I think are just truly either their team's number one or are going to get the workload in the first few weeks that make that draft pick valuable. So quick rebuttal. Uh, I do have – I actually have Montgomery at 18. So I clearly think they you can do. both be very successful in this offense. Yep. Uh, we could have easily done a disagreement on David Montgomery actually because you have him at 27. But I felt like it was uh, a little counterintuitive to do two guys on the same team because we were going to kind of make a lot of the same points I feel same like. Same arguments. Um, but yeah, I again, I think the, the Ramondre comparison is just not there because Detroit is going to be a far, far better offense with way more points to offer. Uh, than the New England Patriots are going to give you with a defense that's going to give up a lot of points on the back end that will, again, in turn make uh, Jameer Gibbs a lot more necessary than maybe Ramondre Stevenson will in the games that his team wins. And uh, last point here, uh, again, I, I think, like you said, he does have a backfield mate that is going to get a lot of work and probably the goal line work, but we saw that with DeAndre Swift last year, too, and he was still, again, pacing for 120 carries and 85 targets. I've already laid out why I think Jameer Gibbs can exceed those totals. Jamal Williams had 17 touchdowns on the ground last year, and DeAndre Swift still was pacing for these totals. And, uh, again, I think Jameer Gibbs is only going to build off of that, maybe throw him a couple of those touchdowns that Jamal Williams got. David Montgomery, you know, shave him down to the 10 or 12, and you have room for a – really really exciting back again i think i think in half and full ppr that is that is a very inter- very important thing to consider here i would take montgomery over gibbs in a non-ppr situation but half and full ppr i love the upside of jameer gibbs uh he is very explosive talent they took him 12th overall and these guys just beat their adp consistently 
Yep. I When they have the opportunity, I do agree with you. I just think that the opportunity cost is way too scary right there for me. I can draft. Basically, at the time of the draft, Ramondre and Gibbs, I guarantee you're going right next to each other in drafts. And I just think that there's a chance that you, there's a floor with Gibbs that we do not know yet because we have not ever seen him. He is a rookie. And again, he does have a running back who's going to take opportunities from him. So, yeah, I mean, we can look back on DeAndre Swift last season all we want to, but you know, it's it's a completely different player. We could think their offense is going to be completely the same, but David Montgomery doesn't have the same exact skill set as Jamal Williams does, so it's going to look a little bit different. I don't think we can just automatically assume those roles for those two guys, but that's the end of my argument. Uh, Nick, any final points, or Eric, any questions? Last point I will make is that I believe that's where the Christian McCaffrey comparison really comes in you know for for me as far as uh why i'm comfortable where i'm where i'm drafting gibbs uh because he had jonathan stewart his rookie year took basically all of the carries from the carolina panthers still finished at rb15 mccaffrey had 3.7 yards per attempt was a horribly inefficient rusher but lived off of that passing work that jameer gibbs is going to get and uh again finished as the rb15 overall a very solid year all right. Any questions, Eric? I do not have any questions. I'm going to go with Cody here. Sorry about you, Nick. Um, I think I'd probably go somewhere in the middle, but I'm definitely closer to Cody. I think that Montgomery brings a lot more to the passing game than Jamal Williams did, so I don't think that's exclusively going to be Jameer Gibbs. I think he'll definitely get a large majority of it, but one of the things Montgomery was best at when he was with the Bears was pass protection, and in general, rookie running backs struggle with that a lot, so I don't think he'll have complete control of that third down role. Um, And then just the guy, like, I would probably trust Mixon, Sanders, and I don't know what Jones that is because my brain is dumb, but... And Ken Aaron Walker Jones. over uh, Gibbs at this point. Okay, yeah, and Aaron Jones. Yep, thank you, Cody. Um, yeah. But I do think that there is upside there. I just I think the ceiling or the floor is a little bit too low for me, given the unknowns about how that uh, workload Gibbs is. Gibbs is for split. sure a guy you draft, he hits, and you talk about Jameer Gibbs for mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. you know, like that's like you're you're telling. What do you think about Gibbs the? Uh, the first round running backs beating their ADPs consistently. How do you how do you combat that argument? Uh, I again, yeah, I you. when we oh Eric, okay, most like yeah. the only one that did split carries, like you said, was McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart. Probably caught like four balls the entire year. I just don't think that he's gonna like. I think that that's gonna be more split than you realize. They paid a lot of money Fair to give Montgomery too. That was like the that was running back that got multi year extension this offseason. <laughs> That was the one yeah, argument I had, like Sanders. the biggest thing trying to find something to combat was the fact that he is a first-round running back and they almost do always outperform their ADP. I, that's why I just had to write the, the opportunity cost. But oh, back to me. Back to back to me rooting for a Bronco. So get buckle in, folks. Here we go. Yeah, I'm okay winning or losing this one. I, I <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we already talked about it in our news and notes. If you haven't taken a look at that episode that was posted on Wednesday, check it out on YouTube or the podcast platform. Uh, but James Palmer, he's a Denver guy. He reported that Javante Williams has not been limited in any capacity so far in camp. Uh, he is looking to – he has a scheduled day off tomorrow, but says he will be in pads doing sideline work 
So even on a scheduled day off, he's feeling healthy enough to be out there and at least getting some kind of work in. So even though that's not all the way out there, it's still better than J.K. Dobbins' situation, who you know isn't even coming off an injury. So um, my, my biggest thing for Javante Williams right now, which is definitely going to change by the time drafts come around, maybe I'll fall a little bit further on him, but just the opportunity at where you could draft him is unreal. I mean, you're getting a guy who sharing – the field last year in a pretty cruddy offense was finishing as a running back two with zero touchdowns multiple weeks before his injury. Uh, he's a guy who is now going to be in the Sean Payton offense who has made fantasy running backs elite in the past. Uh, we do have Samaje P. Ryan, who's been a career backup to this point, but did show some flashes at the end of Cincinnati. I do think the Sean Payton running back scheme can have two fantasy valuable running backs at different levels. That's not saying anything, but I think where you're getting Javante, you can take a risk of him having a down week because P. Ryan gets the touchdown. Whereas when you're looking at drafting guys in the third or fourth round that you want to be the number one guy. Um, you know, like I said, basically my, my thought process here, why I have him a little bit higher also is just the draft value is insane for me. I mean, you're drafting him as right now as basically your third or fourth running back on your team. And he has, I mean, if he didn't get hurt last year, I know the big hype was on Brees Hall, but I think Javante Williams would have eventually taken over that backfield on a pretty rough offense and really shown out with it. And I think he probably would be going as a top 18 running back, which I believe is right about where I have him ranked. Uh, I think you have him 18, yeah. So, 17, yeah. Uh, that's, that's just where I think that if he, if he was healthy all of last year, he'd be easily inside the top 18. And the Sean Payton offense, which is just more hype. I I love getting Javante where I can. Like I said, maybe if if his you know ADP all signs are healthy and he goes up there in the third round, I'll have a little bit more hesitancy just because similar to Brees Hall, usually it takes a little bit for these guys to get fully back into NFL shape with their injuries when it comes to these soft tear uh, soft oh goodness gracious sorry soft tissue injuries. Uh, but like I said, I, I love Javante where he's going. I think he can be a top. I mean, if he's fully healthy in the Sean Payton offense, he could be a top 12 running back, in my opinion. But I think his floor, if he can be healthy, is top 18 for sure. Yeah, um, I don't have a ton of arguments uh, against Javante Williams as a player as far as the guy he's been when he's been on an NFL field to this point in his career. I think if he comes out week one and looks like his old self, I'm going to look stupid and you're going to have a really good pick and uh, he's going to smash his ADP, just like Cody said. I have him at 28. Uh, Cody, like Cody said, he has him at 17. ADP has him at 24 right now. I do want to point out that the guys in between 17 and 28, in my opinion, have very little separation. Uh, for example, I have James Cook at 27. If you wanted to make an argument for him over Damian Pierce at 19, I'd probably listen to it, and you might not sound that stupid. So I think uh, the bigger point here is that Again, the fantasy community right now is really loading up on those wide receivers in early rounds, maybe taking one hero RB and then just loading up on three or four of these guys in rounds four through eight, which is the strategy I'm probably going to take in a lot of fantasy drafts this year. So I just wanted to point that out. But uh, Javante Williams, uh, there was an interesting, a really interesting article I read. I'm not going to go into all the numbers because they're way too much to to, to follow in one uh, you know one sitting here, but. Matthew Betts of the Fantasy Footballers, shout out. He looked at all of the ACL tears for relevant running backs from 2015 to 2021. The reason he took that sample was basically because of, uh, you know, there was some modern way that they did ACL surgeries that changed in 2015. 
I am not a doctor, but this guy knows his stuff. So uh, that's why he took this sample. It's not a huge sample, honestly. I think it was only nine or ten guys that he really got a good look at. But every single running back lost efficiency in his first season removed from an ACL tear prepare, uh, compared to his previous <laughs> career. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. It's 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 not shocking, but again, no matter. I think that that point is to 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 get across the fact that I don't care how good Javante Williams looks right now in camp. I just I don't think you can be the same guy you were before the ACL tear until two years removed, unless your name is Adrian Peterson. Everybody just remembers that season and thinks, oh, you know, maybe this guy can do it. But no, nobody does it other than Adrian Peterson. It is every single running back loses efficiency. And under Sean Payton, like you said, running backs are extremely successful, but it's usually in a committee. Not one back has reached 300 touches under Sean Payton in his 17 years of coaching. I know we don't need Javante to get to 300 touches to be even a top 12 back. I think you can, you know, you could be at 250, 280 maybe, and uh, you could get there. But I think that's just a point to hammer home here: is that Sean Payton really does not like to overload his running backs, even when they're completely healthy coming into the year. So. Javante coming off that ACL tear scares me that this is going to be basically a 50-50 split with Pirine. And I think that's my final point is that I really like Samaji Pirine's value. I would rather wait a couple rounds and take him. I think you're going to get a very similar amount of production. I think Pirine has the chance to be the goal line guy here, much bigger. Uh, you know, again, a healthy guy coming into this year. I think they're going to ease Javante in, and uh, I think P. Ryan's value is the biggest thing for me. If you want a piece of this Denver backfield, I'd wait a couple rounds and just take him. I think if you want a guy for that you feel confident playing the first two to three weeks of fantasy football, I would wait and draft some Ajay P. Ryan. If you want to take a running back who can win you your league, I would just pay up the price and pay for Javante Williams. I think he has – fantasy game-breaking ability, whereas P. Ryan, you know, we, I think we saw close to what his ceiling was in Cincinnati when uh, Joe Mixon went down towards the end of last year. So if you get that for a week or two while Javante is getting worked in, I feel like you're going to be really happy with drafting P. Ryan. But if Javante ends up getting up to that 65 70% of carries, even, you know, just at that, let's say 60 65 it's going to quickly flip the other way where those guys who drafted Javante waited a couple weeks, I think are going to be pretty happy they, they did that. So... Um, again, it's just a bet on the player. I think, I just think if he's healthy and going into next year, I'm really curious to see if he can stay healthy this year, where his ADP is going to be. Cause I just think, I think he could be a difference maker in Denver. I think he's scary. Good. Yeah. If he gets 65% of the carries, I will be dead wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm just expecting it to be pretty close to a 50, 50 split, maybe even slightly towards P Ryan at the beginning of the year. Like you said. Yeah. Eric, any questions? What was it? Do you know what his ADP was last year? I feel like he was going pretty high last year, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I last year he was probably a uh, third round pick, maybe. It was early a big second, but when he was late second, but RB. Melvin Gordon was still there. RB. So, oh yeah, yeah. So he That's wasn't what, you know a top five to ten guy, but he was he was like a third round pick. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was when he went down. He was a running back you were counting on on your offense for sure. Oh yeah. All right. Any other questions? Nope. All right, let's hear it. Your, your honor. I'm going to go with Nick here. The ACL. Yeah, but- fuck Javante nope. Williams and the Denver Broncos. He's going to be dog <laughs> shit. <laughs> the ACL does still scare me a little bit. And like Fucking Nick bitch. said at the beginning of his argument, 
there are so many guys in this range that are really good running backs. So I think I would take a shot on one that isn't coming off an ACL injury. Yeah. Well, these running backs aren't getting drafted around Javante Williams. Yeah, that's true. Where he is going. I, I hate that you guys like rank. I don't, I don't. I, if I, if I'm drafting and the positive news is nothing but Javante, I would take him over probably okay. almost all, all of these guys here. So yeah, I, I at, am pretty firm on that. I like six, Javante seven, Williams there's a lot. No running back gonna, I'd take over Javante. That's probably true. If the positive news stays out, but uh, yeah, it's always tough. That's where rankings get tough is because like, I see like guys going above Javante to where it's just like, I, I wouldn't spin the pick there. Like I'd rather wait the round. So those guys are always tough for me to rank. Cause like, yeah, logically they're probably going to outscore him. That's why they are their ADPs higher, why they're consensus, consensusly ranked higher. But just me personally, I just wouldn't draft mm-hmm. it where they go. So it's just, that's where it kind of gets tough for me personally. That's fair. Um, but Nick, you are up two one. You are leading us off with Rashad Penny. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going into my Rashad Penny argument with zero notes because I want to be a fly on the wall at the start of this argument and see why you got Rashad Penny as finishing as inside a top two running back at the RB twenty three. I'm assuming that you did this off half PPR, but let's uh, let's hear let's hear your case. I have him ranked at forty one. If NFC ADP is at thirty nine. Going basically in the middle of the ninth round, he's a flyer pick at that point. So I love hearing good stories on flyers, Nick. I want to hear why Rashad Penny should be my flyer. Okay, so uh, obviously, like you said, uh, RB39 off the board right now. You don't got to take him at RB23. Uh, I think this is, again, just kind of me making a point of how much I like the player and the situation. I think it lines up really well here. Uh, I, I think I want to just... It's not going to dispel the injury-prone narrative, but I sort of want to just break it down. I think it makes it, if we look at all these injuries uh, for what they are, it sort of you know knocks down that wall of just, oh, he's injured every single year. Uh, you know, oh, this guy just can't stay healthy. You know, sometimes if a running back has two devastating injuries, he's going to get labeled injury-prone. And some guys, it's just bad luck. I mean, tearing an ACL, breaking a bone in your leg, those are things you can't really control. I think guys that consistently have muscle strains, are the ones you want to label a little bit more injury prone. The guys that have ligament injuries, you know, devastating ligament injuries on non-contact injuries, those are just it's bad luck for the most part, in my opinion. You know, you maybe you have a different opinion, but in my opinion, those injuries are bad luck. So in 2018, Rashad Penny's first year, he missed two games with a knee, a minor knee strain, and uh, he was back up. He was a backup most of the year, so he only missed two games. In 2019, he missed three games with a hamstring strain and then tore his ACL late in the year. I believe it was week 15. And then he missed all of 2020 with recovery. I believe he actually played in three or four games towards the end of the year. But again, a really, really late ACL. Uh, Wasn't a clean ACL either, so uh, he was out for most of the next year. I don't know if there was any COVID complications with 2020 either. Could have have also come into play. I couldn't uh, find anything on that. 2021 was his worst year for my argument. He missed five games with a calf injury and one game with a hamstring injury. So you have three soft tissue injuries in his career. Those are the only three soft tissue injuries he's had in a five-year career as a running back. I... You know, maybe that's slightly above average, but I think that's probably about what you'd expect from a running back in a five-year career. And then in 2022, again, the second devastating injury that he had was a broken tibia. Another injury I would consider just bad luck, probably uh, very similar to the mechanism that we saw Tony Pollard break his leg in the uh, the San Francisco game in the playoffs. Player kind of tackled him from behind, 
and uh, pulled his leg down underneath him. Uh, again, just just bad luck. Something that happens to guys like this a lot, I guess, but not something I would expect him to be more prone to than anybody else going into this year just because it happened to him last year. His career yards per carry is 5.7 on 330 carries, the highest in NFL history with a minimum of 750 carries. Uh, Rashad Penny is only at 330, so he does not qualify for this, but the highest in NFL history with a minimum of 750 is 5.4. So if Rashad Penny were to keep this up, he would be the best running back in NFL history on a yards per carry basis. That running back was Jamal Charles, by the way. Shout out to my favorite fantasy player of all time, even though he's a Kansas City Chief. You're my boy, Jamal Charles. Uh, He also received the first carry in camp last week. I know you don't want to read too much into that, but I think it just speaks to the point that when he is healthy, he will be the primary runner behind a fantastic offensive line on a great offense. He has league-winning potential. Uh, you don't have to take him in RB23. Take him in the 7th, 8th round, reach a round or two, and uh, while he's healthy, he will be an excellent running back. You know what? If he gets hurt, whatever. Uh, you move on to the next running back. Running backs get hurt all the time. I think while he's in your lineup, he's going to be excellent, though. That's that's just been hashed out to this point in his career. He's an incredible runner of the football on a team that makes average runners of the football look like really good runners of the football because they have to count for Jalen Hurts and this amazing offensive line. Yeah, I, I think you painted your argument pretty well. Again, it's this argument is tough because I, I don't necessarily have any issue with where he's getting drafted. Like, if you want to take a shot on a late round running back, you go a lot of wide receivers early. I think Penny's a fine guy to take a shot on in the ninth round. Those are a lot of just flyers anyway in most drafts. So that I don't necessarily have much of an issue with. I think your argument's valid. My only concerns with it would be um, they're probably going to. St- do some kind of running back by committee. They brought DeAndre Swift in that I expect to get some pass catching work. We'll see how much he's involved. You hope it's more than Detroit because you think that that the player overall should have pretty good potential. I think he's still a little bit younger than Rashad Penny, maybe by a couple, maybe a year or two, maybe three at the most. Uh, Probably a couple years, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I cannot remember his name now, but I know Philadelphia, they're basically their third string running back or second string they brought back. Um Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, they go. have both those guys yeah. there. Gainwell, well, unless they're playing the Giants, but <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Gainwell Boston was the Scott. one that I was I was specifically concerned about. Um, I just think that there's going to be a lot of a committee here. My my concern, again, again I'm not going to argue against taking the flyer on him. If you want to do that, that's your team. My concern is there's no shot I could have him ranked over guys with the caliber of Brees Hall, even coming off the injury. Cam Akers, who is going to be one of those running backs coming off a year two of an ACL, should be at his healthiest. Um, you know, James Cook should have a lot of opportunity. Rashad White should have a lot of opportunity. I've already made my case for Javante. You're going to hear my case for Madison. Like these kind of guys, I I can't just see myself ranking Penny over. That's basically the basis for my argument. Again, where he's getting drafted, take the flyer on him. Do not care about that. I just I couldn't sit across from you or from most people and try to defend that I would take him over, you know, a good chunk of those guys that you have right behind him. And and that's my main argument. Let me ask you a question real quick. Besides Brees Hall, who a, a lot of the argument as to why I'm a little lower on him would be the same exact reasons I gave for Javante Williams. Again, ACL yeah. not going to be as efficient as he was last year. Yada yada. I don't have to rehash that. Cam Akers, Rashad White. James Cook, Alex Madison, Isaiah Pacheco. Those are all the guys that are right behind him in my ranks, and probably they're all ahead of him in the ADP. Uh, 
if yeah. all of those guys, including Penny, stayed healthy all year, you knew they were all going to stay healthy, who would you want? And Rashad Penny's going to stay healthy? Yes. Um, I'm probably going uh, – I mean, are we also going to say then that all the other Eagles running backs stay healthy? DeAndre Swift's healthy. Kenneth Gainwell stays healthy. Because if that's the case, sure. I'm probably no going like – no injuries, probably Cam Akers or Alexander Madison. Those are going to be my one-two flip and flop. Oh. They're, just, they're they're almost guaranteed. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about Madison. Horses. We don't have to. We don't have to have yeah, set up. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will, you're right. Good point. Uh, Rashad White, another guy I just see having a lot of opportunity in Detroit. Um, you know, I would say really those main guys. Like once we get down to thirty, you're really just nitpicking. Like if you want to go him over Pacheco, I'm not going to argue with you. P Ryan's a backup. McKinnon's a backup. Swift is. His teammate, I would personally take over him, but if you want to go on the side of Penny, I get it. Uh, but that's just the way, like, me, when I'm drafting running backs, especially when I'm looking at these, you know, mid-round guys, I just want to take guys I know are going to have opportunity, and that's going to be Cam Akers, Rashad White, Javante, well, not Javante, Alexander Madison, those kind of guys. So, again, that's the basis of my argument. I think, I mean, if Rashad Penny's really good from the ninth round, again, it's just one of those guys you're just like, Damn, I got Penny in the ninth. No one believed in him besides me. <laughs> so I, yeah, I get I, the, I get the feeling behind behind taking a guy like that too. I uh, yeah, I just view him as the best runner of the football out of the running back room by quite a wide margin. If he's healthy, uh, we saw Miles Sanders last year have basically no targets. He had just above one target per game in his seventeen games, and he had fifteen carries a game. Pretty modest total. I think if Rashad Penny stays healthy all year, you could expect about 15 carries a game and maybe a target. And he had 1,269 yards and 11 touchdowns in 17 games. I think Rashad Penny is a better player than Miles Sanders. That's been, you know, on an efficiency basis. That has been what is the uh, what is the case so far to their NFL career. So I think you could bump those numbers up a little bit. And if you got that as late as you can get him, you would be a league winner. Yeah, absolutely. So... With ADP, let's, let's slide on over here to the NFC ADP page. Um, like you're on, you're drafting. Like, see, this is where again rankings just get so difficult because you're never going to take them in the fifth round where you'd have to take those other guys I listed. Like that would just be an idiotic fantasy move that we're obviously not doing. So I'm going to hold back my question. I don't really. I, I'm not going to continue with that. Eric, do you have any questions for us? I do not. All right, drum roll, please. I am going to side with Cody on this one. If we got a little bit more news out of camp that he is more secure in that number one role, I'm just not quite buying it just yet. That first carry of the day didn't do it for me. Um, I do think that you're right. He is probably the best pure runner of the football, but in general, that offense has never really just been a hand it to this guy and let him do all the work. I'm worried about Jalen stealing his touchdowns. And in general, I just think that they're where you're drafting him is definitely still value. I would pick him up in the ninth exactly. every day. Yeah. But I just I think that I don't buy that he's going to be the true number one option there. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, that's that's consensus agrees with you. So, yeah, I, I know I'm out in the limb there. Uh, probably going to have him on basically every I, single one of my teams this year. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see how it works out, but. Yeah, I would say your Rashad Penny take. Like, I don't, I can't look at my my rankings and be like, that's. I have a late round running back that I'm excited to go draft. Like, the ones Eric's taking part in. Like, we get into those later running backs, and I literally look at the board and like, 
It's like, fuck, man, who am I going to add that I, I got to try and talk about and build value into? Um, so I think it's super valuable just for fantasy in general to find a guy like a Rashad Penny that you can just bank in the back of your mind and know even if you have to take him around earlier in the eighth, you think he's outperforming that easily. So I think that's also very valuable for a fantasy player to have that kind of belief in a later round player. Yeah, and if you have an, if you're in a non PPR league, huge bump for Penny. By the way, I might take him in the. I mean, I would obviously I would take him earlier, but I think you should consider him in the sixth or seventh round because he is going to be a lot more valuable in those formats. Yeah. Also, uh, since this is a good point in general, I believe the NFL banned somewhat of the Eagles sneak play, like they can't I don't, push from I, behind. I don't think they, they go completely through? got rid of it. I don't think so. Okay. Did yeah. they I think I, it's, do the like? read option thing there was also i read something that they were going to try to make a rule change to make doing actual read options like much more difficult where the handoff has to be like to the side not in front there is something like sure. that yes i forgot what that is entirely but yes there is something you have to do your read option handoffs a specific way um i just thought i heard, read either saw when the ball is directly in front of you like it would be for it. a read option is no longer allowed so you have to go to the one side or the other so the quarterback can't look straight forward at the d-line and they're looking justin fields in the face and being like no you're not going to be a franchise quarterback and we've decided it and i'm really upset <laughs> fair point yeah I gotta all right more we are that. almost an hour into this so we'll probably finish up about the hour mark let's get into alexander madison he is my my last guy i'll be arguing in the affirmative for so um obviously we're gonna i'm gonna go into this argument acting like he's going to be okay for the season. Um, obviously, the if the injury is something more important, by the time you're listening to this, the rankings probably are going to be different anyway. But uh, Yeah, let's me, assume no it, injury. It, yeah, exactly. So where I have him ranked is assuming no injury. Sorry, I'm flipping between notes. I have him at number 18. ADP is at 22. Nick has him at 29 uh, with a lot of those similar guys that we had in between Javante and uh, – on the last ranking. So let me pull up my notes here. Basically my thing for Alexander Madison is he is obviously getting a lot of opportunity this season to kind of prove that the Vikings moving off of Dalvin cook was a good move. Uh, Dalvin cook is a guy who has in 2021, he didn't get over 300, 300 opportunities. That's because he only played in 13 games every other year of his career with the Vikings. He's gotten over 300 opportunities. Like Nick has mentioned, when you get to that number, almost Almost the most inefficient running backs can still find fantasy value just based on that number of or that number of touches. Um, and again, just going again, I, I don't want to keep running the Dalvin Cook narrative, but he did finish as the RB five, three, fifteen, and ten on this Vikings team over the past four years. And I think Alexander Madison has been painted as you know he's been like the best backup running back for fantasy for you know probably two years now. Like he's been the guy a lot of people will target just because Cook has somewhat of an injury past. And Madison has been able to fill in pretty well. So we'll go back to 2020. 2019 was his rookie year. There wasn't really a big gap where he filled in for um, a game for Cook. I believe that was Cook's season where he finished as the RB3 overall. I don't think he missed very many games that year. Um, but starting in 2020, week six, he took over for an injured Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Finishes the RB45, which is by far his worst performance. That was about his first big opportunity in the NFL. Week 17, he finishes the RB4 that season. That is the last year, so fantasy numbers are going to be skewed a little bit, but did get the opportunity and made something of it the last week of the year. In 2021, week three, Dalvin misses. Madison's the RB7. Week five, Dalvin misses. Madison's the RB9. Week 13, 
Dalvin misses. Madison's the RB fifth, RB five. Sorry, number five overall. So I'm not going to lie. Whenever I was doing my rankings, I thought I was going to be lower on consensus on Madison just because I I wasn't that excited until I actually got into the numbers and saw when he gets the full opportunity out of that backfield that he is actually able to make something of it. He's a very very valuable fantasy asset. Um, my only concern would be just now he may not be at the level of Dalvin Cook and they may move to a little bit more of a passing offense where let's say instead of 300 he those opportunities go down to 250 which makes him you know maybe just slightly outperforms ADP whereas I think if he gets the opportunity Dalvin Cook has gotten over the past four years he's smashing this ADP probably has a chance to finish inside you know the top 10 or 12 RBs finishes an RB one for your team. So I like Madison quite a bit. Again, like I said, I didn't really think I was that impressed by the player. I got into the numbers. I always got more excited. The more numbers I looked at and it probably moved them up about six or seven spots in my rankings altogether, just because of that. So Alexander Madison, he's going around that cam acres Rashad white kind of territory right now. in a lot of the mock drafts I've been doing, I think Madison is, is the clear, you know, maybe Cam Akers if you want to talk yourself into it, but I'm going Madison every time over guys that he's going around. All right, not a bad argument. I think those are kind of a lot of the points that I have heard when I've heard uh, you know Madison argued in the affirmative so far this offseason. A lot of it makes sense. It's a good offense, and uh, he has been good for, uh, for filling in for Dalvin Cook when he has had to do it. I'm going to start off the top here. I believe he's a mediocre talent. He had a 4 6 7 40-yard dash coming out of college, 102nd, 102nd overall pick out of Boise State, 4.9 career YPC in college, not great. Again, uh, pretty mediocre uh, coming out of college. He's nowhere near the Dalvin Cook level of, uh, of player coming into the league. Madison has also seen a pretty concerning dip in efficiency uh, as his career has gone on here. His career yards per carry by year, we're going to start rookie year, and we're going to go to uh, to last year. It's been four seasons, 4.6, 4.5, 3.7, 3.8. His career yards per target, 8.2, 8.3, 5.8, 5.1. His breakaway run rate, 50, 41.3, 34.8, 21.4, 5.3. This dip in efficiency with such low touch numbers is really troubling. Limited touches usually boost your per-touch numbers for running backs, and he saw the fewest average defenders in the box last season out of his career so far. And like you said, Madison's six career starts uh, filling in for Dalvin Cook. They were pretty impressive fantasy finishes, but let's look at those games a little bit closer. He had... Uh, like you said, so six total starts that he has filled in for Dalvin Cook in those four years. 2020 against Atlanta, they were the sixth best run defense. 2020 against Detroit, they were the 28th best run defense. 2021, he had four uh, his last four starts, like you mentioned, against Seattle, the 17th best run defense. Detroit, the 28th best run defense. Detroit again, the 28th best run defense. And the Los Angeles Rams, the sixth best run defense. In his four starts against Detroit were three of those six starts, so four starts against Detroit and the one against Seattle, who is a middling run defense. He has averaged 26.1 points per game. In his two starts against good run defenses, he has at 10 points per game even. He has really taken advantage of some cushy matchups in those uh, those games that he's gotten into for Dalvin Cook. And uh, I think at the end of the day, if you're a mediocre talent in this league, it doesn't matter if there isn't a guy on the roster that you look at and say, oh, man, that guy is going to get touches for the Minnesota Vikings this year. They're going to find a way to replace you. We found 
a couple years ago, I remember Miles Gaskin and uh, who was the other guy? Mike Davis was getting pushed up in drafts because they were the only guys in their backfield that were going to get touches. They both bombed because they weren't good, and their their teams just found other guys to touch the ball. Atlanta turned Cordero Patterson into a running back because they were so tired of giving the ball to Mike Davis. Miles uh, Gaskin, the Dolphins went out and signed some guys off the street that just performed better, had some more juice. They were younger. Uh, I think Madison's going to be in a little bit more of a committee in a pass-happy offense, and uh, there are some other guys I like a lot more. I just don't see a ton of upside here from the player. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys you listed are all, I mean, like not even close to NFL level, not close to NFL level talents, but like they're not like anything like their team their team's never committed to be like these are going to be the guy like the vikings have come out and said madison looks like he's ready to be a three down running back well again just training camp news not trying to read into the hype too much but yeah I mean, I even if you're that. looking if you're looking at an inefficient guy who's getting 300 opportunities he's going to outperform the running back 18 or whatever 22 he's going in nfc adp so that's just the case there. Dalvin Cook also gets a decent amount of pass-catching opportunity that now completely opens up to Alexander Madison. Yeah, the numbers don't look that great, but it's also a lot different whenever you are the true number one running back and you know you're getting the ball versus being thrown into games randomly or just being having to fill in when the number one guy gets injured. So, I just again, I'm not saying that you're going to draft Alexander Madison and he has Javante Williams' potential. That's not the argument I'm trying to make here. I'm saying you're drafting Alexander Madison, NFC ADP at number 22, and there's no chance he finishes outside of top 24 running back. So where you're drafting him, you're drafting safer guys. You can maybe take a shot on some younger guy that you think can break out, has a higher ceiling. But the way I see it, again, Madison's not finishing outside the top 24 running backs as long as he stays healthy. Um, I would say on a per-game basis, he's not finishing outside the top 24 running backs. If he stays healthy the entire season, clearly not finishing outside the top 24. So. I just think his value is perfect where he's getting drafted. I would draft him right where he's at. I'd even take him over a couple of the other guys he's going around. Yeah, I would agree. Decently high floor. Probably, uh, you know, if you if you told me he finished the season RB24, stayed healthy, I wouldn't be that surprised. But I just see an extremely, extremely capped ceiling. And uh, in this space, again, like I said, my strategy is going to be picking three or four guys I think can hit, hoping one or two of them do. And then you have some really difference-making running backs, and Alexander Madison's just not that. Not a special player. Hasn't been a special player. Wasn't drafted to be. And, um, you know, I think there are some other guys in the room that are going to take work away from him. Like who? That's Dwayne McBride has uh, Dwayne McBride has some really good explosive numbers in the uh, in the in his college career. Uh, Ty Chandler was a really good pass catching back. Madison's been horribly inefficient in the passing game, so I think he could be the third down back. And uh, Kenny Aguangu is I butchered that uh, pronunciation, so I apologize again. Another guy that has much more explosive ability than Alexander Madison, and I think could factor in on first and second down if Madison is as inefficient as he's been the last two years. Yeah, I just don't think there's any way that any of those guys are touching the field over Alexander Madison. And if you're drafting for the first quarter of your season, there's no chance any of them are taking him off the field for the first four games. If he's that terrible, then you're going to know really fast on that you just wasted a pick in that middle round and you're going to be able to move off of him. I just don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that there's going to be opportunity there. It's, it's a decent offense. And I, I, those guys do not scare me at all. They, they've committed to Alexander Madison. They told him the team is his this year, at least at the running back position. I'm going to stand by that. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he's horribly inefficient. 
you then you feel okay dropping him and it's not that big of a deal. If he ends up hitting and he can finish high, you're happy with it. I just um, I, I where he's going, I just I think like you gotta so draft that, him in the fifth floor. round. I mean that's just that's that's a tough that's a tough that's a big that's a decent investment. Fifth round pick. I mean that you're dropping him. I mean that was a the big investment you made in if you have to. Is now I'm not drafting kindling. a guy in the fifth round that I'm expecting to drop. I'm just saying if he's as bad as you are saying that he can be, you can drop him in the fifth from the fifth round because he's just a terrible player that didn't pan out. I don't think that that's the case. I think he's going that you're drafting him at his floor and he has potentially top 14, top 15 potential if touchdowns go his way. Any questions? I clearly disagree. So I don't have any other rebuttals. Go ahead, Eric. Give me a drum roll. Okay. I am kind of split on this one. I don't fear any of the running backs that you named, like Cody said. However, I also don't fear Alex Madison, but he does get to play the Lions twice this year. He gets to play us twice this year. I don't think either of our run defenses are going to be particularly stout. Um, So I think I actually am going to lean with Cody once again here for Alex Madison. Go ahead, I'll take it. Please. It's that's a tough one. I I mean I feel like Nick put up a really good argument on that one. So I kudos to Nick. I just don't sure think like I don't think any of those guys like the rookie. I don't know much about. Like you said, Dwayne McBride. Maybe he can take over that. Role, hey, if he like, does, that was a nice pull from Justin and I in our dynasty <laughs> league that we have together. I, I don't think I don't think one of those guys is going to overtake him. I just think if all of those As guys combined to yeah, have ten true. touches a game, Alex Madison needs it all or he will not be good. In all of the games that he replaced Alvin Cook that we were talking about that he played well, he's getting 25 touches a game. I mean, if he, if, if that number's 10 to 15, he's not even a startable asset. So, I I mean, that's that's how I view it anyway. The Vikings uh, do tend to do a run running one running back set though. At least they have obviously with Dalvin Cook. So, I that's Well, yeah, the that's, that's cuz they had Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook was a top 5 running back for 5 years and Alex Madison is not even a top twenty running Dalvin back. Cooking? Oh yeah, that Adrian Peterson guy. He wasn't too good, was yeah, he? Yeah, I, I think that was more <laughs> a product of. If you want, if you want to talk coaching staff, Kevin O'Connell is a Rams disciple. They have they have been a very big running back by committee team. They brought in Sony Michelle off the street, and he was their starter in the playoffs. And you know he split time with Cam Akers towards the end of the. I, I just I don't think yeah, Kevin O'Connell has the traditional me, view of the, the running back position that so. Yeah, I, I don't well, know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I will love to revisit this Alexander Madison player. at the end of the year because I, I, that's fine. 300 opportunities. It could be as mediocre as you He's want. He's not going to get near 300 opportunities. What's I, your bet, I bet you. What's your over-under on his opportunities? 240? I don't know. 240 maybe. opportunities. Even, I'd say I'd take the under on 240, personally. All right. There we go. Well, we we haven't officially no, no, named no, no, it over no, no, on a podcast, no, but we'll do We'll do a little beer Done. bet on Alexander Madison total carry total opportunities two hundred and forty over under. I'll take the over by a lot. Lock okay, fine. What do you get an industry? Do you get an injury disclaimer or? or yeah, just, I mean, you just you baking that in. I mean, yeah, like I mean, I'll buy you a beer if he gets hurt week one, and this bet just goes to okay. Shit. All so. right, so yeah, that's part <laughs> that's, of it. Okay, fine. If that's under the case. That's fine. I mean, I'm drafting him in the fifth round. Of- Oh, to be my RB two. So, well, uh, go ahead. Okay. I'll take uh, Rashad Penny three rounds later, and he'll be much better. So that's fine. That's fine. 
That's all right. We'll see about that. All right. <laughs> any any final comments uh, from no, uh, my Jay, this... That's the one I feel the worst about. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> really, I, I yeah. I'm honestly surprised that the Alexander Madison hate is so high. I just I feel like I, I no, just I don't just know who else good. you're. That's that's fine. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I wrap mean, it what, up here. Don't bring in Justin Leonard Fournette off the street. Bring in. Anybody. Well, I mean, they don't want to pay a running back. Dalvin. I think that's why Dalvin. They don't have to there. pay. Yeah. Well, okay. That's fine. You're not paying yeah, Leonard Fournette. If you bring Leonard Fournette, you Leonard Fournette in week you four, you're going to give him $800,000. You're not going to pay him. <laughs> yeah, you got a good point. If, Rashad, if Leonard Fournette ends up on the Minnesota Vikings and replaces Alexander Madison, I'll buy you a bucket of beers. <laughs> Done. I'll take it. I'm not risking anything extra. I'm, I'm writing that down in the bet right now. So we're good. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace out, everybody. That wraps up running backs. We'll be back with wide receivers tomorrow. Peace out. Good stuff.